Welcome to Succession Stories. I'm Lori Barkman. As an exit value planning and M&A advisor, I call myself the business transition Sherpa. This podcast guides entrepreneurs from transition to transaction, from building value in your business to letting go. What do I do when I'm not hosting a podcast? I work with owners to maximize business value with my firm, small.big. And as a certified mergers and acquisitions advisor with Stony Hill, I guide you through the complex process of selling your company. Tune into Succession Stories for weekly insights to reward your hard work and avoid succession regrets. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and sign up for our newsletter at successionstories.com. Here's to your success. Is this the year to sell your company? Don't leave your exit to chance. Stony Hill Advisors works with entrepreneurs like you to get ready for what may be the biggest transaction of your life. Learn what your business is worth by visiting stonyhilladvisors.com slash podcast. Many business owners and entrepreneurs face the challenge of wondering what they will do after they leave the business. Often our personal identity is intertwined with our business identity. When you leave, and eventually you will, you may face this critical challenge. Often I talk with guests on this show about having a more transferable business and your readiness for a future transition. Today's episode dovetails so well. My guest, Jerry Kahn, believes in leading a fulfilling life throughout different life stages. As chair of Vistage Boards in New York, Jerry works with CEOs to find more success in their business and personal lives. He founded agebrilliantly.org to help people focus on opportunities for fulfilling life while working in their company and afterwards. Enjoy the conversation about ways to focus on your future self with Jerry Kahn. Jerry, welcome to Succession Stories. We met recently. You invited me to come talk to the Vistage Group, and it was such an honor. I had such a fun time. The workshop, I think, from a topic standpoint, was timely and timeless. And the topic is really preparing for this biggest transition of your life if you're a business owner. And let's face it, all of us are facing that transition at some point. So I wanted to thank you for bringing me in to talk to your group. And I wanted to welcome you today to Succession Stories. Great to have you. Thank you. Great being here. Great following it up. I don't usually get that opportunity. (laughs) Yeah, the timing was perfect. I think when we talked at the workshop, you mentioned Stephen Covey. You know, how do we begin with the end in mind? How do we make decisions that are at the end of the goal? And I know you've made it part of your mission now. You're a Vistage chair. You do some amazing things, some amazing work with, with CEOs but you've started an organization called Age Brilliantly. Why don't you tell me about Age Brilliantly and why is that initiative important to you? So I teach, as you know, part-time, something I love to do. So I get to work with young people who are challenging assumptions and carving new territory. And sometimes need a mentor who kind of says, this is good, go keep doing it, even if it's hard. And I'm teaching in China. And I've been doing now Vistage for about five years at that point. And I'm walking around in Shanghai and I'm thinking to myself, this is good, but something's still missing in my life. And you don't often get a chance to do that unless you're in a different situation where you don't have stimuli that are tying you to where you are. 
And I suddenly realized I had built a company that had 5,000 clients for 15 years, 24 seven. So there's never any sleep, it's constant work and highest pressure clients you could imagine, investment banks, et cetera. And I missed not having the influence of creating a culture for other people to grow into. And so I said, I need to find something I can do for my next act, realizing right then and there I have it. And if it's really good, this one's going to be my legacy act. It'll be the next 50 years of my life in some way, manner, or form. So what would be so useful and helpful to people to do? And as I kept walking and thinking about it for the next couple of days, and I'm reading the Japanese newspaper and the Chinese newspapers, and I'm watching in China, the only English channel in my thing, I'm realizing they're talking about longevity at a level we don't have because people in Japan are living longer. It was the only English channel that I could get. And even China was reporting about it in, in Singapore and other countries. And I suddenly realized, wow, you know, we're not paying enough attention to a couple of longevity trends that are really important. For the first time in the world, we have a generation that can actually say, I might live to 100. And more important, our children will probably live past 100. And if that's the arc of life that's going in front of us, that means we have a whole new set of responsibilities. We don't have to get by every day, like our parents and grandparents might have done, but we can actually forge a life that's even better in the future. And I used to think in 1900, just to give you a statistic, people were living to about 40, 45. So if you did it, you started working very young and you literally died in the field. And then from there, you died in the factory. And then we created retirement. But now in we, the world you and I grew up in, people talk about, well, you're going to retire at 65 because we were thinking, and actually when retirement was set into, as 65, the average lifespan was less than 65. So it was a good bet from an economic point of view. Let's give a few people who are going to live a longer some money. But today you're going to live to 80. And you and I, if we're where we are right now, have a much better than even shot of living to 90 or even 100. My kids will live past 100. And so for the first time in the history of the world, we can be intentional. And that's Kobe's point. If you start with the end in mind, you can say, what do I want that end to be? And then I can aim at it. And so we can all do it. And what it made it interesting for me as a teacher and as my kids dedicated a book to me as their mentor kind of makes the point is say to them, at whatever age this revelation comes to you, you have all those years in front of you. So if you're 20, you've got 80. If you're 60, you've got 40. It doesn't matter. But you can be intentional about your future. Put a line in the sand and think about your future and what do you want it to be? And suddenly it changes what you do. Because suddenly you're working on what we've eventually at age brilliantly called the life essentials. And that's obviously health and it's finance because without health, none of it matters. Without finance, you can't do all the things you want to do. Harvard study showed relationships are the number one thing that makes you happy. But when you listen to people, what it's really about is passion and purpose. And that what people want to do is figure out where they're going. But because they didn't have that opportunity before and now do, wow, we have to make that available. And then because for the first time in the history we have there was time, time mastery becomes super important. Because every time you waste time, you're actually losing something. And if you think about that and we value our time on the earth longer and harder and more valuably, what we'll do is find out we can do more and we can enjoy it more. And that's where it came from.
I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's interesting because of what you said to me. Hey, Lori, when you come to the workshop, have one question you want to ask everyone. So I asked them, what's your time horizon? What is that timeline you're thinking about when you might exit your business? Now, how they perhaps thought about that question could be a couple ways. They might think, well, I might retire and leave, or they might think I'm going to sell and leave. Regardless, it's still an exit timeline, however they choose to leave. And I think probably most of them were age-based, don't you, in their answers? 100%. Remember, we're all a function of the norms that we grew up with. And I teach, and I teach an aging class, for example. And I'll say to people, when do you plan to to leave your business or stop doing what you're doing? I'm going to retire at 62, at 65. And the next question is always, why at that age? Because my friends are doing it. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Right. So that's why it became a mission of age brilliantly say, no, whatever used to be doesn't have to be in the future. You know, in 1900, you had horses. So every hotel had to have a trout water for the horse. We don't do that anymore in hotels. Yeah. So the answer is we can change and they need to do that, too. And that's why Vistage members have been loving what I'm doing with this new workshop that I have. Exit your business and launch your future self, because people like you have done such a great job of helping them figure out how, when they exit, can plan it out in a way that they can maximize not only the money that they get, their ROI on what they've done, but also give their employees a chance maybe to continue or take over the company, however they've structured it and grow. But they have not spent any time answering the second question, how are you going to launch your future self? What is your future self? And what I'm doing with the with the workshops and the exercises is helping people realize the future self consists of many next cells. And what will happen is you need to plan them. But unlike the financial community, which thinks each one is separate and it doesn't matter. So there's actually an investment bank that told people when you retire, you should retire at 65 and take a year off. And then if you're bored and you want to go back to work, you can do it. (laughs) <laughs> not thinking that nobody's going to hire that kind of person very easily. It's not what it's about. So right. you need to plan this in advance. So you say, uh, maybe I'm going to, I'm not sure what I want to do. Maybe I want to phase yeah. out in five years, but what are the things I can do? And what I love is when some of the people I work, they have this plate that's full of so many different things to do. That's the hard part, ordering it. So they find out what they want to do is buy a house to spend on the on the waterfront for the kids when they're a couple of years old. But they discovered that when the kids are five, they don't want to come visit them. They want to go to Disneyland. So that house is not valuable. So now that they do is they'll move back to New York City and go to Lincoln Center and go to, you know, theater, et cetera, like that. So it's planning that future self that's so important. And for many of them, it's starting another company. Because like me, they missed something in there. They missed making a difference, having an impact. They missed the creative energies, the collaborative energies that some of us are very lucky to have with our people. And those kind of things are there. And it's a great way to create, if you haven't done that before, a business for your family, get them involved. And if you already have that, maybe it's time to get out and try something different with a different group of people. And that's that's really what it's about, having a future that you really can't define, but you can have an idea of and aim at it and then play with it. And so, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with D school, which comes from Stanford, where you design your future and it's all hypothesis. And then you do a prototype and let's see what it works. It's exactly how you should run your life. 
let's talk about your workshop because I'm curious if if people are listening and they're thinking, oh, and of course everyone just goes to their age, right? So if I'm I'm in my 40s, what should I be thinking about? If I'm in my 50s, now this is because this is how we're programmed. We're thinking we're going to retire when we're 65 or we're going to exit in our 60s. There's some examples of you know younger people. They're in their 40s. They sell their company and they want to sail around the world, and that becomes their mission. They don't want to start another company. There's others that want to spend more time with family or others who want to do board service. I like to talk about having a portfolio of things, like you said, on your plate, what's on your plate and how you choose to spend your time. And I think the underscoring point here is if you if you wait so long, like till a year before you're ready to retire to start working on these things and really trying to figure out what you want to do, you might be running up against a, a artificial clock nonetheless, but it's still a clock, right? Right. It's actually, that's really the danger that we have to work for. So when we first started, Age Brilliantly had a different name and the name included the word retirement. And we realized that's only appealing to one group of people. And at the end of, if you think of history now as being thousands and thousands of years, the real impact of what we're doing is my kids and my grandkids and their generations that follow. And so we chart very early on, we realized what we have to do is not be old because that's what we think of age, but rather understand aging is a developmental process. And the minute you're on your own, we call you an adult. Some of would say around 20. And at that point, any time on, you can start this process of saying, what might I want to do? And when would I want to do it? And not lock yourself in. Stay flexible enough to keep changing because the world is going to change. Imagine that it's 1900 and the internet comes out and you thought the world was going to end at 65 when you just sold your business in 2000. You'd have missed out on the entire world that came back. And when it came back to show you that you could do things you never thought were possible. Imagine being able to communicate with anybody around the world instantly and not having to spend thousands of dollars on a phone bill, for example. The world changes. It's great. <laughs> so I think, you know, whether you're 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 20, it doesn't matter. The real question is, do a rough draft of where you think you'd like to go. And then you have it in mind and then you can change it at any point. And that's really what's really valuable. So when people say to me, for example, there's, there's a whole movement of people who talk about being um, an, a modern elder and being wise. Well, why put a number on that? Many years ago, I ran into someone at 30 who sold the company for several million dollars. And we were asking him, what are you going to do now? He said, well, I can literally retire because I never have to worry about money anymore. But you know what I think I want to do? I want to work with other young entrepreneurs and teach them what I learned. Well, he's doing that at 30. He's not waiting till he's 55, 65 to do it. And that's what he should do. And think about the felt if you want to do philanthropy. Okay. What most of us do think of this, the program that Gates set up and Warren Buffett have done where they sign, when we die, we leave most of the money to, to the foundation, which is going to give it away. Wouldn't it be nicer to start donating the time and money while you're alive and making sure it ends up where you want it to be? helping the people you want in a way that's there. And that becomes also an entrepreneurial opportunity. Suddenly you can discover new ways to help people that don't work. Mark Zuckerberg, when he first created his program, he gave $100 million to a city in New Jersey to help them out. At the end, he came back and said, we had almost no impact. Wow, it's a lot of money not to have an impact, right? But maybe if he'd have been doing more on that and less on Facebook at the time, it might have made a difference. Yeah, it might have. We have lived in a world of silos. You and I see that in businesses and compartmentalizing ourselves. 
And I think I'm just very fortunate because I've always been kind of a, a learner and just wonder at the world that I've just had this big smorgasbord in front of me and I keep playing out. Let's try different things and see where it goes, knowing that all of that is a learning process. And what we learn, we may not realize the value of it till much later on, but it all makes us better in that journey down the road. And so Absolutely. it's a hundred year journey and let's just do as many things as we can. And go back to one last thing, the big issue, and you know this, there's 7 million people who have businesses over the age of 60 that probably should leave because the answer is if they leave, they can do any of these things we're talking about, but they're comfortable. They have position, they have identity. And so they stay there because they're not thinking, what could my future self be doing? What kind of contribution? I mean, whatever your politics are, doesn't matter. Think of Jimmy Carter. He did not score as one of the great presidents in the four years he was president. But since then, he's done Habitats for Humanity. He's, he's still teaching in his 90s in, in, in Sunday school. He's made all kinds of differences. And so it's possible to keep creating new worlds for yourself and for the world that we live in that's gonna make everything better for everybody. And that's the goal. Who is your most important customer? The person who buys your business. Stony Hill Advisors works with owners to maximize the value when you're ready to sell. Get started today with a business valuation by visiting stonyhilladvisors.com slash podcast. You talk with a lot of CEOs. You're a Vistage chair. You do presentations. You talk to a lot of people. What do you think is some of the reasons? What's some of the blockers? Is it time? Is it just a mindset that they're not thinking about exit planning? They can't think about other things in their life. They just can't make room for it. What are some of those really, truly things holding them back? It's purely a mindset. And part of it is because, as you said before, we're born and we create our mindsets when we're young and we just continue them. And unless something shocks us to think about it differently, we don't get it. In fact, I've just worked on a model and you'll appreciate this. You know, even if you're an 80 year life, it doesn't matter what your own life is. The reality of it is we live at any given moment in a 200 year lifespan. Because the world we're born into was a world really formed by our grandparents' generation, modified by our parents somewhat, and then as we get older, we modify their world. And then as we get older, we teach our kids who start modifying that world and eventually comes out to the world of our grandchildren, which God willing, if we live long enough, we're there to see. So we've got five generations of lives that's affecting it. And so unless we think about the end, we're only thinking about the past because it's how we were raised. I wonder if there's a a dynamic where family businesses encounter some of these issues more than call it the founder led organization, because the family led company, they might have a path that has been, you know, their choice, but largely developed because of the family legacy and tradition. And they go into the business because, right. They want to continue to grow the company and be part of it. And, And they can't imagine not being part of it. There's just something. It's expected. Again, the norms are when you're young, 
you know, I'm in grandpa's business and you're when you get old enough, you'll come in and remember those formative years of being a young person or a teenager. You're doing your you're helping out in there and you realize, wow, everyone respects my father and my grandfather. I want to have that same kind of thing. And you go in there when none of them are asking the question. And I have I've had I have one right now that's a third generation. I have one that's got four generations going through it. Is that the world changes and the business has to change change. And just trying to reinvent the same wheel to sell the same things. For example, if you sell retail, okay, you always had somebody in some country producing the scarf and then having it shipped here somehow. And then you sold it to whatever the store is going to be, whether it's a discounter or a store. The problem is Amazon changes all of that. Technology changes. You don't have to go to a store anymore. So those margins change. It becomes a completely different thing. And that person who's now running it, who never learned how to market on the internet, doesn't have any understanding. So the good news is can train the kid to do that. But the kid's now the whole world is how do I take selling to retail and put it on e-commerce? And how do I do that rather than saying, well, wait a minute, if I'm on e-commerce, I could also do all kinds of things like crowdfunding. I could be able to explore different diseases. Think of COVID, how without the how the internet helped us get all that information together quickly and fast and on. All those other things aren't there. And so I think the real thing that all of us in a in a, especially in a family um situation of a business need to pass on to our children is the, the number one value is lifelong learning. You want to learn every day. Every day you get up and say, what am I going to learn today? And every night you go to sleep and say, what did I learn? And second part of that is to understand it's not about this, what I'm doing. It's things outside my world I have to also talk about. And I have to be, and that's in worldly, understanding it, seeing it, trying to understand what is it going to be like if we really do have electronic vehicles and we have the ability to fly them. Okay, that's not unreal, right? We, we're there with Tesla already, and part of it, we do now have the beginning of What does that mean? How would that change our world? Our world's changed because we didn't need to live and, again, go back 100 years. You mostly spent your time with the people who are your neighbors in your city because geography was a difficult place for transportation. But the alternative now is you can travel any place at any time like you and I are doing. We're in two different cities. OK, so the world's change and we need to expose that. So for, for succession, you need to be honest and say, if you'd like to come into this business, that's fine. If I can afford it and it makes sense, but you don't have to. And so one example is in the one that I have, it's the fourth generation. The fourth generation has been basically told, you don't have to come into this business at all. Because you know what? We don't know if it's even going to be around anymore. Which created an entirely new set of structures. If we go into four different businesses, we don't have one pie to split. So if I'm a harder worker and I'm making more there, do I really just split my one fourth with everybody else or not? These are the kind of decisions that have to be made. So it's a whole new level of decisions. Now, if you're not willing to face that's the reality, then what you do is you say, we'll stay in the business and just leave it going. And that's where you find out so often third generations destroy companies and fourth don't even get a shot at it. Right. That's a terrible thing. 
because it doesn't have to be that way. Right. And so when I had, as a Vistage um, chair, when this company came and they started having this, they said, how have you decided to allocate resources and time and energy to it? And they said, we don't know. I said, what would you like? And their idea was to create a collaborative where everybody collaborates and helps one another, still in siblings, et cetera. And that's how we built it for them. And they have that. And I think they have, it's an apparel company for retail. I think one person's left in that. The rest of them are all doing something different. And so, you know, because of the different businesses, they all support each other. So it's like a stool, lots of different legs supporting the Parthenon at the end of the day. So I want to go back to why this topic is important. Why did I invite you to the show? Why are we talking about it and tie it into transition planning? And and what we see in terms of some data and some numbers is it's all about mindset and preparation and readiness. The more ready an organization is, the more ready an owner is personally, financially, and they have a more positive attitude. They have some pull factors as opposed to push factors, pushing you out versus pulling you towards your next thing. Those people are not only more successful in building that business for readiness to be transitioned over time, whenever that time is right, in the fashion that's right for them, but they're also more successful emotionally. And I think that that's the big why. And we, and we have some data to back that up. But again, in terms of our conversation today, Jerry, I want to tie to the audience. If, if someone's a business owner and they're listening and they're thinking, okay, you know, wherever I am in my journey, and that could be how if they think about it as age-based, if they think about it in life stage, how would you answer this question? What advice do you have for someone listening? If they're thinking about how do they start to think about leading a, a, a more fulfilling life through their entrepreneurial journey, not waiting to the end, what are two or three things that you want to share with them? Okay, so first, just the answer, your, whether it's age or stage, let's get that really clear. We call the company age brilliantly because we want it to be stage related. It's not about calendars, okay? There are people at 90 who are young and there are people at 50 who are okay and there are people at 20 or old, okay? It's not about the age, it's where they come for stage. And the best way to understand it for, for a person who's leading a company is to go back and forward. And that's what we do with the transition. You gotta go back a little about your values and what you've done, and then understand how that literally catapults you to the future. So let me give you a simple example. If you think of the evolution of companies, okay, in the very beginning, there's only a few people, and they do everything, right? And the company can only grow when we realize you're really good at marketing, and I'm really good at operations, and he's really good at negotiation and selling, and so we play a different role and we do that, okay? We grow to that. Okay, but to assume we want to do that for the rest of our lives is ridiculous because that's what growth is all about. Everything says we change. Why wouldn't we change that? So the first premise of of any successful leader is to say things will change and I need to be changing while I'm doing that. So I happen to have and I'm going to share this because it's just such a great thing. Yesterday was Sunday, as you know, and I took the extra time to work with one of my CEOs to go through this. He's helped start this business when he was, he got into this business with someone else's when he was a teenager. Okay. He's now about 50. So he's grown through that, became the CEO. He's running it. He manages the whole thing. His big, he's got over hundred employees. He's working on pulling all of this together to make it work. And I'm listening to him and he's frustrated by a lot of it because the answer is 
Whereas if it was small, it was easy for Tim to do it all. When it's bigger, everything gets larger, the scale. At this point, it's how do you get managers to run their own thing? How do you get leaders out of managers? How do you pull all of this together? He's got to figure out how to do it. And I keep focusing him, as you say, Kobe, what's your end? I said, where do you want to be two, three years from now? Do you still want to solve this problem? Because we've been solving it for two, three years and not well. Do we want to try to change that? And as he's done that in the last, and he was one of the people in the in your session, by the way, that didn't come out. So just letting you know that. Um, he, can come, he looked at it, he says, I'd like to just specialize in something so I could do it better because I now know much more of how to do it than I did 10 years ago. And I said, good. Then what we do is we get other people to do it. So our number one priority right now is building an executive team. And this, as you said, is the single biggest value in your company besides your customers and the cash flow and the economics. It's having a solid succession team that can take the company and let it go on its own and make you dispensable. I said, if that happens, what would you like to do? He says, given he's in kind of in a technology area, I'd love to be able to start getting back into the sales about what I think two, three years from now, new prototype products could do for people. Because that's what got me interested in this 20 years ago. I'm not doing that anymore. All I am now is hurting, hurting the cats as we have to get everything done. So that becomes the second part, is to recognize these people who let the company grow itself, then have the peace of mind and the emotional intelligence to say, I don't have to watch them. What can I do? And therefore, they can start focusing on their future self, the future of that company. And that's why they grow it faster. So by looking forward to where you want to go with the company and where the company can grow, it will grow faster because now you're seeing opportunities other people would miss. And that's exactly where he has to go with doing this right now. And to the point that we're doing is working with a couple of other people in the company to say, let them take it over. And one of the examples of that is one of my companies, and I'm really lucky, I have three companies this year, all going through this kind of stage of, of selling, of, of being able to sell or turn it over or something like that. A person came to me and said, over the last 10 years, I've taken my company from me really running it all to four hours a week of work. Okay, that's the ultimate dream. Remember, Tim Ferriss said that. He says, I spent four hours. I want to do something different. I said, what would you want to do? And so we start talking about his future self. And one of the things that emerges is I want to give back more. So I said, that's something operational we can do now and still plan the bigger thing. We put him on a board of a really great nonprofit. He now had time to meet new people. Fast forward, one of these people leads to a connection that eventually takes his company and he sells it to a public company. And he will be the crown jewel because he's the biggest one in the United States for doing it. He's ready to leave. Remember, I said Nick sells, ready to leave. Suddenly he realizes I could be running this much larger global company on digital transformation. And that's really exciting. Bingo, he now finds his new hope and dream. And I think that's what it's really all about. Every time, this is a company I know, is the owner was 86. He comes in to read his newspaper for an hour and a half. Then he does a little bit work for the company. He then leaves and the papers that he does is an Excel spreadsheet, gives it to his son and he goes, here it is. And he goes, great. And then he takes it, throws it in the garbage. He did it in front of me. I said, why do you do that? He said, because you have it all on the computer. But it makes him happy. 
The point is, that's not what we should be doing. We should be saying, go travel, go teach, go do something more valuable with your life. And that's the value of meeting someone like you who gets them early enough to lay out the plan. I'm not saying they have to sell at 27, but let them have a system to do it. So if they want to, they can do it. There's a gentleman, there's another speaker who, when he presented to the group, he said, I'm in the exit business. My job is to get the company to a point where it can exit and I can exit anytime I want to. And we all laugh, but then I thought that's really a great perception because if he does that planning early, he has freedom and he has done incredible things as I think about it, it makes that whole point. So the peace of mind of the pull to what you would like to be doing in your life is what it's about. It's not about how do I take all the money and maximize it to push me out because then it's going to leave you at the end of a cliff and you'll jump off and I'm not sure where you're going to end up. It's the pull of all the another wonders that are in front of you. And so when I heard that number many years ago, about 7 million people, business owners, which probably should be selling, that's what got me started with the workshop. These 7 million people, a lot of people I could help. Yeah, absolutely. I really like those stories, Jerry. That was really helpful to hear those stories. I know you have a million favorite quotes. But is there one that really stands out to you and pertains to our conversation today? Well, one of my favorite quotes when I, I started actually as a teenager. So Coleridge wrote a, a story and he has a word in there that I'm going to change because that's how I remember the quote. And it start, it's life without hope draws nectar in a sieve and hope without an object cannot live. And he was talking about work, not life. But the point is, to me, it's all about life. And that's what led to age brilliantly. And it's the same thing with your company. If you have hope of how you're going to help the world, help your employees, help yourself and where you're going to go with it, if you're taking all that nectar and you're enjoying it. But if you don't, if you're just going through the routine, then it's in a sieve. And you're going to lose it as, as it leaks from the bottom. And so it's one of the reasons... With the great, it comes to me all the time now because of the great resignation. I think the great resignation is really the great elevation because it's saying to people, don't do things you don't want to do. You shouldn't be doing because they're not making you grow as a human being. So if, it, if, if doing too much commuting for a meeting that you could do over Zoom is what you're doing and you're not spending time with your kids as a result, go find another job. Go find another way to do it. Change your career. Whether it's purpose or passion, it should be determining where you go. And I'll end with, with a story about a guy who had in his like 89, when he was a kid, he wanted to be a physicist. His parents told him, no, 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 no. If you want to be something and go to school, be a doctor. So he becomes an MD. Spends his entire life as an MD, goes to all the stuff. He finally retires. And at 80, he says, I still want to be a physicist. And he just got his PhD. Wow. <laughs> so there's no limits. That's the no lesson limits. I really want to leave with people. A company is a vehicle to make a difference financially, in passion and purpose, helping people, lots of good things. But there's many of the ways you can do it, too. It's like a garden. Go find another flower. I love it. Jerry, thank you so much. If people want to I learn more, if people want to follow up with you, what's a great way to get in touch? Well, from an age brilliantly point of view, it's real easy. Age brilliantly is a dot org. So it's agebrilliantly.org. And I highly recommend for yourselves and for your kids, join it. It's, we call it a movement because it's really just getting rid of all those norms that restrict us and freeing us up. 
And that's it. And it's jcahn, J-C-A-H-N, at hbrilliantly.org. Or you can reach me through Vistage, which is jerry.con at vistagechair.com. And we'll put all of those in the show notes as well. Jerry, thanks again. Great to have you here for a really inspiring talk. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Take care. Have a great day. My objective is for you to have a lucrative and successful succession. If you want to understand the value of your company today, that's a great place to start. The sooner you understand what creates value and what detracts from it, the more time you'll have to close the gap if there is one. Hundreds of business owners have taken my complimentary business assessment. As a first step, schedule a call with me by visiting meetlauriebarkman.com. That's meetlauriebarkman.com.